Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, you all. Welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. Once again, my guest today is not a business owner or a business coach. Um, As I mentioned, from time to time, I will change. However, he can, and we hope he will, impact businesses in our province of Alberta in the near future. As we're preparing for election day here in the province of Alberta, I've decided to invite a member of the legislature of Alberta, or in short, MLA, as we call it here, uh, seeking to be re-elected. My guest this morning, this fine morning in Calgary, is Richard Gottfried, MLA for the United Conservative Party, representing Calgary Fish Creek. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, David. Uh, welcome to Taking Care of Business, and thank you for being my guest today. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a pleasure. And I have to clarify, you know, I'm not the MLA today. Hopefully that will be the case in 15 more days as the election. So we take a bit of a hiatus during the uh, the writ period. Oh, and, really? And uh, we're not supposed to claim that we're the MLA. I can tell people that I've been the MLA for the past four years, uh, but of course I'm diligently seeking the the privilege and honor of representing the people of Calgary Fish Creek for another four years. Sorry, I am kind of the you know innocent public. I see you re-elect. I see you re-elect on the on everything. So I, I guess we have rules and guidelines. I we have see. to follow stringently. Oh, so as I, soon as they announce the uh, election, you're not allowed to use them. I, I'm then a candidate, and uh, we just have to be very careful because of, of the ethics around the issue okay. uh, to ensure that uh, that we're not misrepresenting it. But the the fact of the case is that I, I've uh, represented the people of Calgary Fish Creek with honor and, and a privilege for the past four years. Give me some experience in opposition. But of course, I have uh, a goal, hopefully, to be sitting on the other side of the legislature for in 2019. Um, so Richard, you know, let, let's get a little bit personal. Sure. You know, to, we want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Now, I know from your bio that we're, you are born Calgarian. Yes, sir. However, one of your friends was a guest on one of my previous shows, and he told me that you traveled a lot as a young kid with your parents. I did. You know, I was I was born and raised in Calgary until the age of eight. And then my father took a position. He was with, with MGM uh, uh, Motion Pictures uh, in Lagos, Nigeria. So I spent five years uh, from the ages of eight to 13 in Lagos, which is a very, very, uh, um, I think, uh, pivotal moment for me. Uh, it was during the Biafran War. So it was in wartime Nigeria, uh, you know, obviously a, a Good little young boy from southwest Calgary being plopped <laughs> into the most populous city in, in uh, Africa. And uh, it was an incredible learning experience. Not only did I have a chance to explore West Africa, but during our travels back and forth during that five-year period, we stopped in, in North Africa, in the Middle East, in, uh, in Europe uh, extensively every year traveling back and forth, which gave me a global vision. And, uh, and I think that, that that very much has formed who I am today and, and the view I have of, of this globe, of the opportunities globally, not only for ourselves, but for our children and, and yeah. for generations come, and for our great country and province. Well, what did your dad do with MGM? My father was with MGM Movies for 30 years. He was uh, actually started with them in Shanghai, China uh, in 1945, and uh, then was MGM's man in Thailand, 
where he met my mother, who was United Nations nurse um, <laughs> with the World Health Organization. They married, uh, met there. My older brother was born in Hong Kong, so oh, wow. a little bit more global. <laughs> I maintain that I was conceived in Asia, born at the Calgary General <laughs> Hospital, uh, a bit more exotic background there. Um, but then, of course, uh, in my ensuing life, uh, into adult life, um, I was in the international airline business with yeah. Cathay Pacific Airways. So uh, growing up here and then moving to Nigeria, um, my, my guess is, and I'm making an assumption here, that in Nigeria, you guys didn't live with everybody else kind of in a compound or something like that. How did that kind of growing up, it, you know, 8 to 13 is a very crucial age. Very, you know, I remember everything there very, very clearly. And in fact, reconnected through the, the social media world with some of my classmates, uh, both both uh, uh, native Nigerians and, and international uh, individuals. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, we lived in a, in a compound, but my, my parents were, were uh, again, very experienced internationally. Uh, we became very engaged, traveled a lot throughout the, the, the region. Uh, but again, during the Biafran War was a very, very pivotal time there. There was a lot of military activity. We had a Biafran Air, Air Force bomber blow up right over our house. Uh, it was my, my first uh, uh, escape from disaster, as it were. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so you have an opportunity to see what strife looks like, what political strife looks like. And, and that was because of the secessionist state of Biafra. And guess what? Over oil. I see. Um, one comment I heard about Nigeria is that 50% of the population is Christian, 50% is Muslim and 100% are Wudu. <laughs> That's exactly true. Juju, they call it there. Okay. And uh, <laughs> it's a very powerful uh, uh, medicine, I guess, if you will, and is very much adhered to. And I, and I saw it in action in many ways um, when, when people would uh, want to attack someone else, they would do it with juju, which was full of idols and, and potions and things like that. Did you uh, bring it here for the election? Do I, you know, I might have to consult you, but <laughs> there is actually a very uh, substantial Nigerian community here in Calgary, and I'm invited uh, every year to the Nigerian Independence Day, uh, uh, where, I, where I, I sing the old version of the yeah, Nigerian yeah, yeah. National Anthem. But uh, it, it's quite surprising for for people when I start speaking a little bit of Yoruba, what little I know, um, with locals here, and tell them that I lived in Nigeria for five. Very few Calgarians, trust me, um, uh, the Caucasian Calgarians, I think, have actually spent time in Nigeria. <laughs> so it's always a, an opportunity for me to have great conversations with people that I meet. I see. I, I don't see any dolls here for yeah, you. Know, I might have one. I've got a, a smallpox <laughs> fetish that I have to borrow from my brother. Um, but uh, but that those those experiences, David, uh, certainly have have influenced my uh, my life and my career yeah. probably gave me my early interest in politics in many ways because when you see politics in action when you see strife uh, in action that can affect people's lives uh, it does impact you it does you take that on board right and then uh, you bring it back and you realize how blessed we are in this province in this country to have a peaceful democracy uh, and now sometimes it doesn't seem that peaceful <laughs> if you watch social media these days but but in fact, this is this is uh, democracy in action, and and I and I deeply respect that. But it means it, it, democracy is not free. It yeah. takes hard work. So uh, growing up, you know, uh, I don't know how much you remember until uh, you know age eight, and how much you probably remember more eight to thirteen. But is a difference between? Did you feel any difference growing up here versus then moving there? Incredibly so, Dave. When I came back to Calgary at the age of 13, you can imagine my friends, we, we lived, moved back into the same community that we had left um, at that time. Um, and I, you know what, and, and I don't mean to, to sound uh, sort of, sort of uh, um, arrogant, but I came back so much more worldly. 
And my friends had just been, you know, we came back and, and we were worried about riding our bicycles and where we were going. And, and I had seen war and I had seen death and I had seen uh, a famine and uh, malnutrition and, and things like that through, um, through my own eyes. Uh, not in the news. Of course, the news media wasn't the same as it is today. But I, I brought that home, and I think you know. I, I, I guess there's a, a little worldliness that you, when you experience yeah. that. And again, during wartime, there was military checkpoints. There was, there were, there were, there was death in front of us. In, so, in so you were a different kid when you came back I, at 13. Absolutely, I was, David. And and uh, and again, I think that influenced my interest in in politics and in people. Um, certainly broadened my scope and my horizons. Of, uh, of the diversity of our great world, um, racially and, and right. religiously and in so many different ways. And again, has helped to inform me, I, I think better, it made me a better person because of it. So your dream as a kid was to become a politician or was there another dream? Um, everybody said I was, I was, I was so stubborn and, and uh, loved to argue a lot that I should have been a lawyer, but I didn't follow <laughs> that path, David. And, and uh, um, you know, I, I think for me, my, uh, my impetus, uh, you know, four years ago to, to move into politics. I, I did model parliament at Western Canada High School for, for three years. Uh, ended up as the leader of the opposition. My best friend was, was the prime minister, so maybe I, or the, at the time, so maybe I, I still have a, uh, an ambition to, to make sure I'm on the right side yeah, of the yeah. floor. I hope uh, we're not getting used to it. To no, 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 that's something I do not want to get used to, David. And, um, and then I studied political science and economics at university. But then, David, as, as many of us do, I got on with having a uh, family and a career, a uh, great career. I've had 35 years in the business sector that I'm very uh, proud and, and uh, feel privileged to have had the incredible experiences I did have. So so um, a few more questions, uh, personal questions, before we dive into uh, today's politics and today's business and today's kind of living in Alberta and in Calgary specifically. Um, as a high schooler, if I connect from some of your friends and all yes. your teacher after you came back, what would they, what would they say about you? Good guy, arrogant. He he traveled the world. So, what kind of uh, what what they what will they say about Richard? Well, you know, David, I pride myself. I'm actually having a bit of a, a fundraiser this Thursday, and it's mostly people I've known since I was in grade school, junior high, and high school. Um, my best friend. I wasn't invited. Well, I, I, <laughs> you should be on the list, David. I'll make sure you're coming. It's a choice on fourth. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a little pop, and it's kind of a, just a social gathering. Now I've told people to bring their checkbooks because we always need some money to run a, a great campaign. But you know, my dearest and, and oldest friends are people I've, I've known. My, my best friend is a fellow that I've known since the third grade. Yeah. Uh, before. I Africa and came back and, and we reconnected. Uh, my very best group of friends, uh, uh, a group we call CO, Canadian Optimists, that was a group that we formed in high school. Now we probably were more focused on having keg parties and things back in the day. But uh, those are my dearest and, and longest time friends. So, you know, David, I pride myself. So they will vouch for you. They, I, I think they'll vouch for me. <laughs> David, my, one of my prides is, is, you know, and as I often say to my kids, never torch a bridge behind you. Uh, build those bridges, keep yeah. those bridges, and respect those bridges. Uh, I can do business with people I did business with 35 years ago, and uh, business or in the community. And I'm proud to say that for 99.999% of the time, those people will embrace an opportunity to work with me again, as I do with them. Yeah. University, college, uh, University of Calgary. Uh, you know, one of my regrets, David, is is I uh, I did uh, uh, three years of, of university. I went traveling for a year, what I thought was going to be a year, uh, to move it, uh, Southeast Asia, China at the time when it was just opening up. Uh, came back. 
um, and economy here. I left traveling at the beginning of 1982. We all know what that was in Calgary. Came back at the end of 82. Same prime minister, right? Uh, well, father. <laughs> same last Yes, yes. Same, same last name. Last name. Same and last came name. back to the National Energy Program and... Uh, and you know, I, I needed to make some money before I went back to university. I'd had a successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurship in landscaping, and I had an electronics company before. So I came back to Calgary. I thought, well, I'm just going to get some work and, and go back and finish my university. Well, I got into the travel business at that time. Okay. And, uh, so that was your job? The first job was in yes, the travel business? It was. I actually worked for a Chinese-owned tour and travel company in Calgary, in Chinatown. I was, mm-hmm. I'd say I was the token guaylo in <laughs> Chinatown at the time. And uh, many of my dearest friends in the community date back to the, to those times, 1983. And um, and that got me on a path uh, which, I, which I really didn't expect at the time. And um, uh, two and a half years after getting into that industry, I joined Cathay Pacific Airways, uh, British-owned Hong Kong-based airline. Uh, that became my education, David. As, as many people say, working for Cathay Pacific is like doing an MBA in the airline business. And so that's where I, I finished my school. I did not graduate from uh, University of Calgary. Uh, proud of, of the, the coursework I did there. Yes. Um, but uh, but I, I feel a bit of an alumni, but I guess unofficially so. Uh, maybe one day I can go back and finish that off, David, once I get through with the with a, hopefully a, a successful uh, political there is a short I, political career the reason I said yes and when I'm smiling because my wife listens to all my podcasts yes. and I always love it when I find people like me that didn't finish university <laughs> well you know what in I think the world has changed I, I you know my kids I want them to have that university degree it was it was it's a must-have I believe now it's a different discussion I'm yeah. not going there <laughs> but you know what but I I uh, as I say you know there are other ways to become yeah. educated in the way of the world and um, and I've always been a student I believe yeah. we're a student for our entire lives a lifelong learning and uh, and I and I'm still doing it David so Last question before we go into politics is uh, one of the, my guests that didn't finish university is Glenn Street. Very good friend of mine, yes. I, I know. And he's the one who told me the disaster and you kind of co-live together. We, and he says uh, that a lot of your friends would not travel with you. Can you explain why? David, you're d- d- diving into my deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets. But, you know, I, I, I mentioned to you the, the Biafran aircraft bombing in, in Nigeria in 1968. Um, since then, I had, a, you know, a, a, several decades of, of uh, accident-free living. However, uh, I've had a couple of incidents that uh, my friends do tease me uh, that they don't want to travel. Now, I remind them that I'm still here. Yeah. So maybe I'm the person. Things can happen anywhere. Uh, if, if, you're <laughs> you're traveling with me, if you're traveling with me and you see me running, follow me. <laughs> but uh, so, David, I, in 1999, I was a survivor of the, uh, the uh, cruise ship uh, disaster for the Sun Vista, uh, the uh, MV Sun Vista. Uh, off the Straits of Malacca, which uh, that ship caught fire and yeah. ended up sinking. So we had to abandon ship in shark-infested waters, and we bobbed around in the ocean until we were rescued by Russian freighters about eight hours later. And uh, so that was my first brush with disaster. Ironically, on the same coast uh, in uh, Boxing Day 2004, I was in Phuket, Thailand, just a few hundred kilometers north of where my second disaster was. And my family and I were there for the Indian Ocean tsunami, which, of course, we all know uh, the devastation that was caused by that. But we, my my wife and and my three children and I uh, literally escaped disaster by seconds running up a staircase 
uh, before the tsunami hit. And uh, uh, that is a humbling experience when you you see the power of nature and the devastation that that can wrought on, on us. And and to come away from that, uh, I think, changes you as well. Uh, to come away from a disaster like that where so many people lost their lives. Uh, my entire family uh, was able to come home. We, went, we actually went back about five months later to Phuket to see the rebuilding that had gone on so that my children could see that in spite of the devastation, the resiliency of the people there was, was rather incredible. And the, and, the, and the passion and compassion of the people was... So traveling good. with you is an insurance... Get your insurance before you come with me, David. But but as I say, I happen to be still sitting in front of you today. I am a survivor. Maybe it is, has uh, prepared me well for politics. Yes. So you mentioned Cathay Pacific. And uh, when I read your bio, I know you were for a builder, home builder yes, here. Yes. Uh, Trico Homes, if I remember yes, right. Yes, Trico Homes. Yes. Very and then you worked, uh, that's where we met, when you yes. worked with Calgary Economic Development. That's correct. Um, was that kind of your first touch with kind of politics? Local politics, Calgary economic development? You no, know, actually before that, David, I, I uh, sat on a board for uh, for a former MLA, Teresa Wupa, uh, who was a friend of mine from the Chinese community. She asked me to come and assist with with getting her, her board uh, more, more organized and professionalized. And, and my background is, is is management and marketing. And and, uh, um, and so I, I stepped in to help her in around 2004 and sat on her board, actually, ironically, for, uh, for um, about, uh, I guess, uh, six or seven years. And uh, at which point there was a lot of things going on in Alberta politics. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to be involved, I should do it in my own backyard as well. So I got involved with Calgary Fish Creek at that time on the board. Um, so, but, you know, politics has always been sort of percolating. And, and, and I often tell the story. And in fact, I was sharing this with Stephen Lougheed, Peter Lougheed's son, uh, just a few weeks ago. I, I grew up uh, near their family. And I remember getting roped into putting in lawn signs for Peter Lougheed in 1971 when I was 13 years old, had just come back from Africa. And my elder brother was friends with Stephen Lougheed. And somehow I, I remember exactly the first house. So I remember putting a lawn sign on Premier Way on Carlton Way back in the day. And that was my first touch through high school. Um, some of my friends were, were very much involved. Their, their parents were involved with politics. A fellow by the name of Jim Seymour, who's Peter Lougheed's right-hand man. Uh, so we were always kind of touching it and, and, and moving back and forth, which probably carried me uh, into studying political science and economics, university. Uh, David, at some point in time, you have to say, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to talk about it anymore, and I'm not a shoulda, woulda, coulda kind of guy. Uh, sometimes you have to just roll up the sleeves and jump in. And, and after consulting with my family, that's what happened in 2015. So was it... Uh, an event that kind of triggered that seed to bloom or was it something that someone influenced you? You know, David, as you, as you get more involved in anything, and I encourage you know young people and people of all ages to get involved in, in, in any way, shape, or form with the political process. It is democracy is something we should we should be we should honor because of the sacrifices of generations before us. Um, but for me, it was it was it had always been there. Uh, again, you have family and life and career that you build over time. And I didn't want to look back 10 years from now, David, and say, you know, I, I, I should have done that. I would have mm-hmm. enjoyed doing that. So I, I leapt into it with the support of, of my incredible wife and, and my family. It was a family decision, David. It has to be because it is all incumbent. So this is a 365-day-a-year job. Um, but my passion for it is is to make a difference, to give back to this, this community. I've lived in Calgary Fish Creek for 27 years. All three of my children were born here in the community. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised Calgarian. Yeah. You know, you don't take that. I mean, you're in a, you're a person who has adopted Calgary. You know how passionate you are about this yeah. city, yeah. and uh, and and that uh, you know that seed is is not just something. You know, I was born with that here, 
gratefully so many people have adopted the city with the same passion, the same drive, uh, and the same, uh, you know, I believe in this province of, of the great resources and wealth we have. And, and uh, what a great honor and privilege to give back to, to that. So four years ago, yes. uh, more or less, I don't remember the exact day, you've been voted as MLA at that time, yes. member of the uh, Legislature of Alberta. Your rookie MLA. Yes. Did you use someone as a mentor to avoid some mistakes? Uh, did you kind of have a committee to help you? How did you kind of, you know, first steps into the legislator in yes. Edmonton? Well, you know, my, my, my wife is probably my biggest uh, supporter, but everybody needs a kitchen cabinet, as they say. And uh, my kitchen cabinet, uh, I, I brought, you know, people around me who I trusted. Uh, not only trusted to give me good advice, but trusted to get, tell me the, the straight story when I needed the straight story told to me. And that's, that's I think, invaluable in politics. Uh, we've seen that, I think, from the likes of Ralph Klein and, and those in the past, Peter Lougheed, who, who made sure that they had strong people around them who would look them in the eye and tell them when they were wrong. And uh, I think everyone needs that. So I've always had that great support of some incredible individuals, some dating back to, uh, to my childhood days who I know and I trust and I respect their opinion and for the ability for me to draw upon them and for them to say, Richard, you know, you're on the wrong track on this. Richard, you need to listen to, to this individual. Richard, um, you know, let's talk about these issues from a broader perspective, not from a political perspective, but from a common sense Albertan perspective. And um, those are the influences I think that have strengthened uh, my ability to, to be a politician, as you mentioned earlier, is on the opposition side of the floor. But you know what, David? That was maybe meant to happen in 2015. Um, the PC government, and, and I, uh, I was the only new PC uh, MLA in the entire province uh, to, to be elected. Mm -hmm. There was eight incumbents and, and myself. And, um, and when I was talking to people at the doors, David, people were pointing a lot of fingers and the PCs this and the PCs that. And you know, David, I said to people, I'm not running in spite of what you're saying, I'm running because of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to, to make a change. I wanted, I saw my party had gotten off track and I wanted to to help uh, bring it back on track. And I often say to people, you know, I, I, and David, you know me well enough, I, I like to stir the pot a little bit. I'm a bit of a pot stirrer. <laughs> I just didn't know somebody was gonna hit the blender button while I was trying to do it. Um, so do you think the UPC now, the United- UCP. The UCP, yeah. sorry, yeah. United Conservative Party, learned the lesson? Do you think that the four years in opposition made them humble? It is a humbling experience, David, because you really, uh, you, you have an opportunity to speak out on behalf of your constituents. You have an opportunity to amend what you think is, is uh, uh, incomplete or, or bad legislation. Um, so you have an opportunity to stand up and, and we used to pound on the desk. We don't do that anymore on the, the UCP <laughs> side, but, but to, to stand up and get, be passionate about, about representing your constituents. Uh, it is a humbling experience though, David. And you know what? A little humility goes a long way. Um, but I hope it sticks. That's that's my my hope is that uh, humility is should not be just a transitory feeling. It should be something that that uh, that brings back uh, a sense of the honor and the privilege of representing Albertans. Uh, I always remind my my colleagues, do, and you hear in politics so often, David, uh, when when you get back in power, when somebody gets back in power, well, we know what power does to people. Mm -hmm. I like to look at it as the, the privilege and the honor of representing Albertans and forming a government that actually does, does that and represents them in the best possible way. Um, how frustrating is it to be the leading opposition with a government that has a majority and basically you cannot overrule them on anything? 
Well, David, you know what the outcome is going to be at the end of every vote. Um, however, that that does not and should not deter you from speaking out in the best possible way. What, what opposition does is is to is to point out the shortcomings of a piece of legislation or the or the the the. the, the bad direction that it is taking us. And sadly, we've seen a lot of it with, with this government, which has is, which is scared away tens of billions of investment dollars from this province. I would reckon actually in, in, in north of $100 billion uh, in direct and indirect investment to this province. Um, the uh, the uh, flight of ca- so much foreign capital, but now we're seeing flight of domestic capital. When you see large Canadian companies like Encana uh, purchasing a U.S. company for for 5.5 billion. So how frustrating was it for you guys? You were nine p- members. We, there was there was the nine of us. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, for, on the PC side before the, yeah. uh, the United Conservative Party. So how frustrating was it to sit there and know that you cannot make a change? In any legislation they bring. Well, David, you have to always believe that you can make a difference. That's what that's the, the functioning of the legislature mm-hmm. is that you can make a difference. You can speak out. You can raise issues and raise them to uh, to uh, so that the public is aware of them. Uh, but quite frankly, you need to have the support of the public, as we found in things like Bill Six, the the the, the farm uh, workers bill, uh, when you saw uh, tractors and trailers and and uh, farm machinery driving up the highway from as far away as Tabor to park in the front of, of the legislature grounds. I remind Albertans that when we're their voice, we also need them behind us, mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder with us. Um, to ensure that the sitting government actually understands that these issues are important to Albertans. So, David, it, it is frustrating in that, you know, generally speaking, if if you can't... Now, I actually had uh, an opportunity where the government did accept three amendments I put into an economic development bill. A uh, bit of a hat trick, you might say, uh, for that. But, um, you know, that is a, sadly a rare occasion. I think what I would like to learn from this experience is that if there are good ideas from from wherever it is on the legislature floor, that a government is big enough to accept those as good amendments because we can't all catch all the best ideas. Yeah. So if you can capture ideas from the entire uh, representation, all 87 MLAs, what a great thing if we could do that as Albertans and embrace that opportunity. Uh, we are supposed to go to a commercial break in about a minute and a yes. half. So my last question in regards to this uh, uh, kind of uh, the last four years is, how do you summarize Richard's last four, first four years as an MLA? Well, you know what? It's been it's been challenging. Uh, it has uh, it, it's a different lifestyle, David. Um, you know, I spend about uh, five and a half months of the year up in Edmonton, uh, away from my family. And now my children are, are uh, adult now, 19. Actually, my daughter just turned 20 on on Sunday, uh, 23 and 26. Uh, up there in in getting a post secondary education. Um, so you know, there's the family the balance of family and work. Uh, it is a 365 day a year job. Uh, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to have learned what I have in terms of legislating, in terms of standing up for my constituents, in terms of seeing where this province has gone, where which in a direction I don't like. Yeah. Uh, this is an opportunity if we are given that privilege of forming government to try and get this province back on track, Dave. And I am passionate about that. And I hope the learnings I've had in the past four years and the past. 59 years of my life will allow me to to bring that passion and experience as a business person, but also as a, as a, a very, very uh, you know, passionate and proud Albertan to the table of the legislature, hopefully on the side on the of the floor. Side, on the right side. Yeah. <laughs> so Richard, we have to take a short pause for a commercial break. Um, our listeners, please open a new tab and you can uh, learn more about Richard, his campaign and the United Conservative Party by checking www.richardgottfried.com. That's G-O-T-F-R-I-E-D. 
ied.ca. Uh, you can follow Richard on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, uh, as well as uh, YouTube. Uh, and we will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back with my guest, Richard Gottfried, uh, seeking to be re-elected as member of the legislature of Alberta for the next four years. Uh, elections are coming in two weeks from today. Uh, we are 14 days from decision day. Um, you know, I have to ask you a question. We've seen around the globe the recent election, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter which country, are not as nice as they used to be. Do you feel it's going this direction also in Canada, which is, which is known as the most polite country in the world? Well, I'd like to say sorry first for, for what I'm about <laughs> to say. But David, you're exactly uh, bang on with, with, your, uh, with your observation here. And, and you know, it, it, it saddens me actually, David, because I'd like to think that, that we are, that we honor the, the democracy uh, that, that our forefathers have fought for, have fought for in this country. Um, and we're blessed. We, when you look around the country and the strife and, and the war that uh, that is undertaken uh, in the name of politics, in many cases, here we have an opportunity to vote. Um, but it has become mean spirited, David. I often tell tell my friends that I didn't get into this business to be mean spirited, and and I won't, and I will not become mean spirited. But politics, and, and I think I, I hate to say it, the 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 wonders and the scourge of social media have made it that, that people um, will say things um, and have no, uh, they'll say anything because there's no face. They, they make up uh, handles. There's trolls out there, uh, some who are there purely to attack politicians of an opposite stripe to them. Mm-hmm. It saddens me when I see that. I see, you know, a smear and fear uh, campaign tactics 
being used, which are are very more common to, to U.S. politics. And in fact, I think it's sort of part of the U.S. politics schooling. But in Canada, we we tended to have a bit of a kinder, gentler uh, democracy. But I see that slipping away, David. It, it worries me. It concerns me that we cannot have respectful political discourse uh, and agree to disagree. You know, agree to disagree without being disagreeable, as I often say. Uh, because I believe everybody in the legislature of Alberta is there believing they're doing what's best for Albertans. Mm-hmm. I just happen to disagree with many of them. Right. So let's have that discussion. Let's do it respectfully. Uh, let's do it in public. Let's not go with personal smear and fear tactics. It, it, that concerns me. Uh, but as they say, you know, if you get into the mud, then you're just going to be uh, uh, wrestling with the pigs again. I will stay out of the mud. And I've always committed to having an ethical campaign, David. And I will do that uh, as long as I am an elected official. It seems, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, not involved, but following what's going on in our province. Um, And I'm involved also in in some, uh, as you know, in some uh, charities and and some other kind of uh, organizations. It seems to me that uh, in today's kind of campaign, uh, the UCP chose that road of let's talk business and the other side, the ruling uh, right now, they chose that personal kind of approach on attacking people. Well, you know what? When when your your policy track record is not that great, David, you you switch to attacking people. Um, sadly, that has been what we've seen. We're hearing from Albertans every day. I'm knocking on doors eight hours a day, and what I'm hearing from people is their main concerns are, are jobs, the economy, uh, and pipelines. Uh, but but balanced, of course, with their concerns about about healthcare, education, and and social services as well. Um, but when you when you switch immediately to uh, to campaign tactics, which are attack politics, attack style, uh, smear and fear t- uh, politics, one has to question. So where is the policy? Where is the track record? Where is the understanding or the confidence that a government is actually going to move forward in a way that is going to better uh, the lot of Albertans and and future generations, David? And I worry about that when I see escalating debt. You know, there's talks of of, of us reaching 96 billion or or north of that. Yes, and we 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 had our, some of our economists costed the promises already made by this government just during this campaign, David. Another twelve point five billion dollars, um, on top of what we're already talking about. These are promises made, um, and I, and I'll I'll say it cautiously, but that are buying Albertans not with their own money, David, with their grandchildren and their great grandchildren's money, and that scares me in a province that at one point in time was debt free. Debt free. Debt free. Um, Something I want to touch something that you mentioned before we went to commercial, and that is uh, investors and investment money uh, flee, uh, fleeing out of Alberta. So my question is not is not why they're is how do we yes what what do you think we can do to rebuild confidence so this money will come back and people will not leave. David, that that's a great question because. Uh, we've seen investors leave here and when, when we, they start comparing Alberta to a third world banana republic in terms of, of the, uh, um, you know, the, the uh, opportunity to invest here about the, the stability of an investment and the risk that is associated with that investment, David, 
um, when, you know, I, this was back to the spring of 2017 and I had tracked at that point, point 34.8 billion US dollars worth of, of flight of capital from this province. And it's now north of 50 in the energy sector, probably $60 billion. But if you add in the real estate business, which I know you're very familiar with, uh, the money has left this province. So, so the question now is not to look backward, but to look forward. Exactly. And so we're, we're building a policy. We just released a 117-page policy platform, David, which is, is going to give some of the blueprint for that. But a blueprint is only a blueprint, and it's going to take action. We need to attract back investment. We now have a, a quarter or a third of our downtown real estate sitting empty, which means there are great deals for real estate. We, we have 180,000, 183,000 unemployed Albertans, many of them highly talented and, and uh, both in, in technical fields, but also in in, uh, in professional fields as well. We have an opportunity to track that back, but it's not coming on its own, David. We've adjusted with our job creation tax uh, plan, uh, which is to reduce some corporate taxes to attract back investment. I often say, David, nobody ever created a job until somebody put a dollar at risk. Mm-hmm. And we need the entrepreneurs and the risk takers, the job creators to come back to this province and those that are here to stay and reinvest. And that's not happening today, David. So we have to create an environment where we respect the investors, the risk takers. If you don't respect risk takers and all you do is cover the rewards, as we've seen from this current government, David, you chase investment away. Investment and in capital have many choices around this globe, around this planet, and we have to tell them Alberta is not only open for business, but we are going to work with them to invest in this province, to create jobs, to treat them fairly, to create another Alberta advantage and prosperity for generations to come. In that uh, uh, plan uh, that you mentioned at 117 pages, do you see or the UPC or UCP or, or you personally see any industries that we can bring to this mm-hmm. province and especially to Calgary to diversify the economy? Because it seems yes. to me, you know, there was a, a discussion yesterday at, at Town Hall about tax shift and I'm very involved with that. And it seems to me that some people are still kind of with the idea, oh, if we have one pipeline, all our problems are solved. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, I hope the pipelines. No, not one, I, not I, two, I, but three. My point was, but, yes. even one pipe, one pipeline would not solve the problem. You know, this this is a long term uh, issue, David. We have an opportunity in this province because of the resources we're blessed with uh, to get products to market during the ensuing next twenty or thirty years. Probably, uh, uh, you know, uh, God willing, uh, within our lifetime, we will be able to see us to prosper. So we need pipelines. There's no question we need to be able to, and, and I believe we have a right within Confederation to get our products to market. Uh, but we have to take that as an opportunity, David, as we do that to diversify our economy. But let's let's make no mistake. We have some 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 key secondary economies and, and, and uh, sectors in Alberta that when we put bitumen onto pipelines, guess what we do, David? We free up rail capacity and guess which sectors will immediately benefit from that? Agriculture, forestry, mining, and, and uh, fertilizers, uh, fertilizer more from Saskatchewan from the potash mines there. But when we can we can have the opportunity to get more products to market, then let's go out and sell those products. So we we have key industries, key secondary industries that are well entrenched, that they're well established in this province. That we need to work with the people again: agriculture, forestry, mining, but tourism as well. Tourism is another key sector in this province that we have. Just look outside today, this morning, beautiful blue Alberta skies, yes. mountains in the in the background. We have this incredible resource. Let's focus on those key secondary industries, David. How can we grow those ones 
that are here, well-established, world-class, uh, already open into to global markets. What follows that, though, is that other innovative diversification, which you and I, uh, during my time at Calgary Economic Development, were talking about all the time. It's about talent. It's about people. It's about ideas. Guess what, David? We have empty downtown office space. Somebody can come into Calgary right now. You're in that business. You tell me how much I can get if I want to sign a lease for 100,000 square feet downtown right now. What kind of a great deal I can get as a, as a, a startup corporation or, or a, a growing corporation. Is this not one of the best places in the world now to invest? Yeah. We have an incredible lifestyle. We, have, uh, we will have, uh, uh, I think, a vibrant province that respects our investors and our job creators to move forward. We will have, we'll get our mojo back in this province, David. And I think we still got it. It's been, it's been squashed down a little bit the past four years. And I don't blame that all on the current government. We've had some economic issues. But now is the time for a resurgence of the economy here. We need to establish that through policy. We need to sell it to the world. And we need to firmly and loudly say Alberta is open for business. Don't miss this opportunity. So um, I'll go back to the Alberta open for business. But one word that you uh, said at the beginning of your answer, use the, use the word confederation. Yes. Um, it seems to me that confederation is not working anymore. And I'm new to Canada. I'm only here 20 years. Uh, but BC is blocking a federal decision to build a pipeline. Federal, uh, the federal government is completely has ignored Alberta economic, problem, economic problems for the last four years and high unemployment, the highest unemployment in the country. The same government is adding more money to Quebec via the equality uh, payments and nothing to Alberta. Is there a way to protect Alberta and us Albertans from the federal government? You're really baiting me here, aren't you, David, with these ones? <laughs> you know what, David? I didn't promise you. Questions. <laughs> you know what, David? I, I, when I say crisis of confederation, I don't think I'm overstating the issue here. We, I believe we have a crisis of confederation. This country was formed, in, in my mind, uh, as, as a, a born and raised Canadian, uh, as a, it was formed so that we could trade freely amongst ourselves and that we could get our, our products to market uh, across this great country, whether it's lobster from, from Halifax or whether it's uh, forestry from BC or whether it's wine from BC or whether it's oil and gas from Alberta. The strength of this country is that we can get our products to market through and across each other and share those great products with the entire country. That is the beauty. There's almost nothing you cannot find in Canada. So number one, reducing the trade barriers between provinces, it's crazy. We're signing free trade agreements all over the world and we talk about it all the time. We can't even trade freely within our own country, David. That's ridiculous. We need to break down those barriers. We have barriers being put in our place. You mentioned the, the, uh, some of the uh, um, legislative and legal barriers uh, being put in place. The, the, the C-48 tanker ban is ridiculous. You have 4,000 uh, oil tankers a year coming up the St. Lawrence Seaway, but we're not allowed to have any tankers le taking our product to world markets off the West Coast. We have the C-69 uh, pipeline bill, which they call the No Pipelines Bill, which is going to landlock one of the most valuable global resources there, there is. And at the same time, with us being able to get those products, the most environmentally responsible oil on this planet, with regulations that are actually enforced that cannot be bribed out of the way, David. We, we have a country here for the most part, although we're seeing some uh, some holes in that uh, that uh, lack of corruption uh, through the SNC Lavalin uh, scandal that we're seeing, but Alberta is a province that believes in the rule of law, that believes in the sanctity of the regulations, believes in environmental stewardship, and we will push that forward. We are leaders, global leaders, because not only do we have the best regulations, but they are enforced, David. 
So how do you protect us? How do you protect us Albertans against all those uh, decisions that we have no control on? Well, David, it's back to politics again and, and democracy. Uh, we may not have control of them, but we can influence them as strongly as we possibly can. You've heard of our fight back strategy that, that Jason Kenney has launched. Yes. And that fight back strategy is one which says, and, and I'm going to use this as, this, this is my own uh, paraphrasing, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore, David. Albertans are mad. I hear the word separatism. I am not a separatist, David. I am yeah. a patriot. I, as you know, I've traveled the world, uh, lived in Africa, traveled in Asia extensively, and I've always wear, worn my Canadian maple leaf proudly. And I intend to continue to do that. But we are being taken for granted. What I hear from Albertans, I'm tired of being taken for granted, of, of having uh, our, our incredible ability and our entrepreneurship uh, and our drive and our hard work, that prairie work ethic that drives the creation of wealth in this province, where we're being stymied at being able to create that wealth. We've never complained about sharing it, David, yeah. when we've been able to create it. So we need to be allowed to create that. And part of that is pipelines, environmental uh, uh, regulations, which make sense. Uh, and a broader perspective and give us the opportunity to build that wealth. We do have to deal with equalization, David. That is a broken formula and it needs to be revisited and we will be pushing that for Alberts. We need to, to, to fight against Bill C-48 and C-69. That is a given and we'll work with our First Nations uh, uh, brethren and brothers and sisters to ensure that we work with them to fight those which are taking prosperity away from people of all races, re religions uh, and, and created across this great country. This is a fight back. You're pushing my buttons now, David. This is a fight back strategy, and I intend to quit playing social license croquet. It's time to play a little bit of Alberta hardball. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to push your buttons, but I'm, as I said, I was very involved. I'm chairing now the Calgary Economic Development Real Estate Committee, and I'm very involved with the tax shift, and I hear the rage. It, it's not anymore, you know, mad, it's rage, which never seen in, in Canada before. Um, which brings me to the next question and has to do with businesses. And people talk about the big companies, SNC, uh, CNRL. Uh, what, I'm talking now about the small yes. and mid-sized businesses because they create more jobs than any other company, most of the big ones. Uh, however, they seem to be ignored from time to time. Uh, and let's talk about the last five years. We were a single industry province, oil and gas. So oil and gas drops in October or November of 2014 from the highs of the 100 to the lows of the 20s. Then we get hit with carbon tax. Then we get hit with personal higher personal tax, higher corporate tax. Then we get hit with minimum wage. It seems to me that some government levels think of the small and mid-sized businesses as a, as a cow that let's get attached to the nipple and get as much milk as we can. How is the UCP going to help small and mid-sized businesses that are closing their doors every day? I'll just give you one, one, two numbers that since I was involved in the tax shift, I'm, I'm familiar with. 17th Avenue Business Improvement Association lost 26 businesses since December to the end of November. Kensington lost 10. Wow. And I'm talking only in Calgary and only in two BRZ that I don't know, they're, they're, but those are numbers I got from them on Monday. How you guys are going to help, UCP is going to help the mid and small size businesses survive and even grow and hire people. 
David, I think you hit the nail on the head at the beginning there. Small business is big business. It's They're, they're the biggest job creators. They're the contributors to not only the wealth, but the vibrancy of our communities. We're sitting here in Calgary Fish Creek in Avenida, and I see the small business. I watch it every day, and I talk to business people every day, David, closing their doors because they can't make ends meet anymore. And you know what I hear? I hear the carbon tax, which we will repeal as bill number one. I hear about some of the employment and minimum wage issues, where they were employing local teenagers to do those jobs, and they, they literally have laid those kids off because they don't have the experience and the productivity. Those That was training ground for our young future entrepreneurs. Uh, I hear about the burden of, of, of local taxes. I hear about the burden of some of the employment standards. We have restaurants now having to pay uh, holiday pay for, for someone for Mondays. They were never open on Mondays and they're having to pay thousands of dollars. It's costing them thousands of dollars a year. And many small businesses are struggling. And guess who's not making minimum wage anymore? The owners, David. They're not even taking home. They're losing their businesses. They're putting equity in from their personal uh, homes and, and, and second mortgaging their homes, racking up their credit cards to try and keep those businesses open to save those jobs. David, we have to respect the small businesses and the small business creators. So what are we doing? We're going to work with them. Carbon tax is going to be a good start, but we need to work with them to ensure that we take the burden off of them. And instead of being the nanny state type of a government, we actually empower entrepreneurs to succeed in this province, not to pull up stakes and move. I've got restaurant businesses and restaurants near me here where my campaign headquarters that are telling me that they may only last a few more months, David. And I hear that every day. But at the same time, we have people taking risks. We've just opened up the Avenida Food Hall, just just 100 meters from us here. But again, risk takers, entrepreneurs, there's 20, 43 different vendors in there, uh, 23 food vendors, uh, but that is a huge risk that they're taking, David. We have to empower them through taxation, through policy, uh, through cutting red tape. So we've made a commitment to cut red tape by one third. Small businesses will tell you that's one of their biggest problems is is uh, unnecessary and you know, unimpactful regulation that don't impact anything in terms of the, the, the type of product they deliver, but it puts cost burdens on them. Where has the poor entrepreneur having to stay up till two in the morning trying to figure out government regulations, David, that is no longer acceptable in this province. We need to empower entrepreneurs. We need to support our entrepreneurs because guess who creates the jobs, David? We yeah. need to empower them and we need to stop losing them because not only when they lose their businesses here and they're unemployed, David, they don't have EI. They have no safety net. Guess what happens? They move away from this province. We need people moving to this province, choosing this province as we once had, and we need to return to that Alberta advantage that says we are a can-do province. So I, I know that uh, Mr. Kenny, one of his announcement was a little bit of a rollback of some taxes, uh, I think corporate tax. That's correct. Um, but how is the UCP government going to uh, deal with the huge financial deficit that the NDP is leaving uh, while helping Albertans grow and helping businesses grow and helping us come, uh, I mean, get back on the horse. We're in Calgary, right? Get back in in Alberta, right? We get back on the horse. Well, you know, the, 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 this is not an easy answer, David, and, and I think we have to... I prom- I told you I don't have easy Yeah, and it's, and it's, you know, that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, the expectations here are, are, are that we will turn a corner uh, when we are able to put a business-friendly government in place here, and I call business-friendly government is actually a people-friendly government. But, David, the, um, 
you know the burden that we've seen the 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 uh, job creation uh, plan tax plan is meant to uh, attract back uh, larger companies and trust me you know when my days of Calgary economic development we are always out there trying to bring head offices to the city we now have an opportunity to do that and we need to take advantage of that David we need to work with uh, uh, you know you're, you're talking about balancing the budget we have said that we're going to, to, to stabilize and, and in some cases freeze budgets uh, in certain areas because actually if you keep it level and flat and you and you work with the employees and the public service and various other sectors uh, to deliver uh, productivity and efficiencies I think we can do that if we listen to the frontline workers whether that's in healthcare and education and stabilize those budgets but David it's pretty clear that the only way for us to get out of this this economic hole this hole this fiscal hole is to grow the Alberta economy it's very clear and I was the economic development critic for for three years and and in talking with businesses, in fact, tomorrow I'm actually spending time with the Economic Developers Association. It's going to take me off the doors for about three hours, but it's important. These are the economic developers from across this great province, from you know Calgary Economic Development and, and uh, Edmonton Economic Development uh, to the single uh, economic development officer from, from Tabor or Vegreville or, or high level coming into this province. They know their communities best, David. We need to work with them to empower them, to give them the resources they need to grow this economy. You cannot tax our way out of this this deficit, David. We need to grow our way out of it. And we are capable of doing this in this great promise province because of the entrepreneurship, the spirit, the, the prairie work ethic that is here. We are capable of doing that. Make no mistake. We will do it, but we have to empower that with policy. We have to empower that with an opportunity for people to cut the red tape so that we take away uh, the burden. We take away the, the handcuffs of being able to create wealth and to share that wealth across our society to take make sure we can deliver world-class health care, education, and social services that take care of our vulnerable we are compassionate conservatives, make no mistake. Richard, we have less than three minutes left for this show. And um, I have a few kind of short questions. Yes, please, so David. How do you measure your success? I, I don't measure it. My constituents do, David. <laughs> and actually, we have a, I have a test on April the 16th, <laughs> um, whereby uh, uh, my constituents will tell me. I, I have had, you know, four years of, of representing the majority of the constituents in Fish Creek, although I, my boundaries have changed. So I've gotten uh, Sundance and Midnapore are new. I'm spending a little bit more time down in those areas where people don't know me as well, uh, because my... What are you talking about? Everybody in the city knows me. <laughs> well, David, you know, I... I uh, I do know many people in this city after 60 years in this great city, and and uh, and that is one of the beauties because I've worked across uh, several different uh, sectors. Um, I believe, you know what, uh, in in not only doing business with people, but in creating friendships and long-lasting relationships with them. Uh, I bring that that um, uh, I guess that uh, uh, to the table um, as someone who loves collaboration. David, I think uh, the, the measure for me will be in uh, four years from now. I, I think this is a, a lens of, of success. Um, and as an elected official, I hope to earn the, the privilege of representing the people of Calgary Fish Creek, and not just the people of Calgary Fish Creek, but the people of Alberta, if I'm given the opportunity to use my 35 years of business experience and skills uh, in getting this province back on track. I look forward to that opportunity, David. I think the true test, the, the, the measure of success will be four years from now, not necessarily in re-election, but if people say, Richard, you've done a good job, you've worked hard, you, you've, uh, you haven't made promises you can't keep, <laughs> you have actually told us what you're going to do. And you know what I promise people at Doors, David? I promise them I will work hard every day as their MLA and that I will speak out and be uh, accessible and accountable to them. 
uh, within within the, the the greater party, the United Conservative Party that we work with. But a party is only the the, the sum of, of the pieces of it, David. So each one of us, whether that's uh, 45 of us or 55 of us or 65 of us or 75 of us, and only the electorate will decide that. Um, we are only a sum of the pieces, and the pieces are important. We have incredible candidates coming forward. Probably some of the best we have ever had in the history of this province. We have an opportunity to create a government which is possibly the best government and most accountable and ethical government. But we have to. We can't just say it, David. We have to prove it, and the proof will be in that pudding. Well, uh, I have to admit, you convinced me to vote for the UCP, <laughs> and uh, I hope uh, that we'll see you on the right side uh, the next time. And uh, Mr. Kenny is a candidate for a minister here sitting across from me. Uh, David, you know, I, I say the first thing I carry in front of me is my humility. Um, you okay, know, our, our talking about your humility, humility, you have 10 seconds to yes, answer sir. the next question. Yes, sir. What have you learned about yourself through the journey? 10 seconds. You know, I've learned that uh, that my passion is for this great province, for the community that has been great to me over 27 years. David, this is my opportunity to give back, and I intend to do it. Richard, we reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, you have to take care of a lot of business uh, once you move to the right side of the, uh, of the of the legislator. Thank you again, Richard Godfrey, for being my guest this morning, sharing with us your journey to becoming a member of the Alberta of Legislature and now seeking to be re-elected on April 16, Tuesday, two days from two weeks from today. Thank you all for tuning in. Your feedback and emails are very important for me. Do not hesitate to email me your suggestion at dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron, again, my dedicated engineer in Phoenix, Uh, Sasha, my assistant executive producer, and Winston Price, my executive producer. Next Tuesday, April 9th, my guest will be Kathy Orr, president and CEO of RGO Products. We will discuss passing the torch in a family business. I'll meet you here next Tuesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.